Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I hope you're doing well today. Uh, my name's Todd. For those of you I don't know, I'm the lead pastor, and uh, really glad that you're here on Palm Sunday uh, to worship and, and be a part of church, and you, uh, you came on a special day uh, because I have with me on stage my good friend, Maurice Odiambo. So why don't you give it up for Maurice this morning? Maurice is uh, from Nairobi, Kenya, and he was here back in 2015, and I said, hey, can you give a little testimony? And he did, and I realized as soon as we were talking that, like, it, I'd made a mistake because I really should have let him preach. Uh, so five years later, here we are, man, or four years later, here we are. Uh, and uh, when I was in Nairobi back in October, I asked if he would uh, be willing uh, to lead our service this morning in uh, the Word. And so uh, he's here today. He is the, uh, the founder of Mana Ministries um, and Man of Ministries does an amazing job in Kenya and in, in Africa, uh, really, uh, certainly East Africa, and uh, all, all over the place in, in sharing the love of Jesus to that part of the world. Uh, but he is also uh, the person who is like on the ground with uh, No Hungry Children, helping us as a church in partnership with No Hungry Children feed uh, children in the slums of Nairobi, and uh, he and his team do an amazing job uh, there in Kenya, and it was a delight to get to know he and his team last, uh, last October when we were there, and I just cannot wait for you to hear from him. Plus, he's got an amazing place he shops uh, for clothes, so like I've got to find out, man. I mean, look at this. Isn't this amazing? <laughs> and I got to tell you, having been in church in Nairobi, this is, this is what all the, the men wear. <laughs> and, I, and we were in our jeans and t-shirts, so it was really, it was great. Yeah, it was great. So anyway, hey, I'm thankful that you're here. He's going to bring us our, our last in our series called 12 Followers. And so why don't you give it up one more time for Maurice. Thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here once again. Um, receive greetings from my family. I'm married and have four children. Um, one son and three daughters, and they all are happy to, um, to have me send greetings to you. Um, I want to thank God for this opportunity to be able to share with us this morning um, uh, as we continue with the 12 Disciples series. And today, I am so privileged to be able to um, share with us um, the last two disciples, uh, that is um, James and John. And as I was looking at... Uh, these two gentlemen, um, I see in the beginning of the book of Mark, I see that uh, when Jesus started his assignment on earth, I see that there is a lot of people that was following him. There is a crowd. You could see there's a crowd of people following Jesus. And as a result of that, because of the miracles and signs that they see, and uh, just like any other leader, I see Jesus making a decision that I really need to have people around me that would be able to help me with the or growing you know, work that I have. And that led him to uh, choosing the 12 disciples 
um, that was going to work with him. And the difference about this that I notice is uh, with any other uh, leaders that we have is back in my country when our president, when he's elected in the office and they want to, he wants to call, I mean, appoint a cabinet secretary, it is always done according to the qualification of those people in the offices that they're going to hold. But when Jesus started to put together a team that was going to work with him and do ministry with him, something is so unique here because he did not go for the qualification, but instead the Bible says that he appointed uh, um, weak and ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So um, his, he, he appointed 12 disciples, and out of these 12 disciples are two, James and John, that we are going to look into today. So please, would you, if you would go to, with me into the book of um, Mark chapter 3 and verse 17. The Bible says, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanegis, which means sons of thunder. Um, um, Jesus comes across these two brothers, and when he found them, he found these people busy mending their nets together with their father. And as he always does, he says, follow me. And what I see as the next reaction with these two brothers is the next thing they do is they abandon or forsake their boat and they followed Jesus. They also left their father Zebedee and they followed Jesus. And that helped me to understand this morning that the call of Jesus upon your life is more important than what you're doing. I mean, that is just what I, that's the revelation. When this Jesus came across them, they were doing something that they're used to doing. That was their profession. That is what they do to earn a living. But when Jesus appeared in the picture, they said they forsake everything, including their father, and they followed Jesus. So that helps me to understand that. And the other thing that I see here is Jesus calling upon the 12 men, the 12 ordinary and weak men, and transform them to become um, extra people that will be able to do extraordinary things. And among these 12 was sons of Zebedee, John, James, and John, and which means sons of thunder. And in this verse, as I was studying, I realized that this is the only place in the Bible where you will find the reference to the sons of Zebedee as sons of thunder. And this name that Jesus gave to them, it is giving us kind of a clue of the personalities of John, James and John. It is giving us a, a, a revelation of who they were, that they were zealous, they were passionate, they were ambitious. Passion is what being willing to do something, being able to, willing to die for something that you love. And from that name, we can't of, want to see what, why would Jesus call them that? So this morning, I would want us to look at why would Jesus choose this nickname for these two brothers. And first of all, he has not spent a lot of time with them. 
How did he even know the characters of this man? I was looking at thunder. Thunder is a dangerous thing because it produces lightning that is accompanied by hailstones and it kills. And as I was trying to look what dangerous thunders cause, maybe it is not here because it's controlled, but back in Kenya, every time it rains and there is lightning, every woman would be grabbing their children and hiding in the house because of thunder, because it is dangerous. In the mind of the Jews, thunder symbolizes the power, the divine power of God. And mostly in the Jews' mindset, they believe that that is the power of God that he uses to punish those who rebel against him. So that is how they, they have it in their mind. And we will be able to see that, that later. But thunder is a dangerous thing. It is something that kills and it says that even though thunder, it, when it strikes, it can only affect a small portion of diameter, maybe about 15 miles. And it can only happen for about 20 to 30 minutes. But then it is said that thunder kills more people than tornadoes and hurricanes and Matthews every year whenever it happens and those people that are affected with thunder sometimes they remain disabled for the rest of their life so when jesus saw these two brothers and he calls them sons of thunder what jesus was saying was you are dangerous that was like i know you are dangerous but i'm looking for dangerous people because i know how to work with dangerous people I know how to change people that are regarded dangerous. People have been put aside. People are not usable. I know how to use them. People that nobody wants to identify with. Jesus say, I can identify with you. And he say, I know you. I understand who you are. And that is what Jesus was trying to say. And uh, we also find that uh, James and John, these, they were two of the three disciples in the inner circle of Jesus and many times they were uh, it is said that many times they were present when Jesus performed many miracles they were with him because they were in the inner circle for example when the young girl was raised from the dead in Mark chapter 5 James and John were there at the transfiguration Jesus transfiguration they watched him talk with Moses and Elijah in Matthew 17, 1 to 9. And we also find that um, they, they are the people that privately, James, John, and Andrew and Peter, they were among those that went to privately ask Jesus, what are you talking about when you say the temple will be destroyed in it will be destroyed. They kind of, a people that were, they were inside us. They were rough-hued people. They have color, colored characters, different kind of characters. They were, can be aggressive and sometimes they can be insensitive and don't care what um, affects the people. So we find in this place at some point that they went to Jesus privately and asked him kind of, 
Jesus, we are not going to just take everything you say. If we don't understand them, we will confront you. Because they were confronters. They would confront and not draw back from confronting. That was their personality. And sometimes they would actually create or look for problems. If there are not problems around, they would go ahead and create some and places where they can be able to confront. So, but in one occasion, just to, like Jesus said, talked about them, in one occasion, when Jesus was walking around in the villages and preaching, they come across Samaria. And in this occasion, we find that the people in Samaria declined to respond to the message of Jesus. And because of their character, what Jesus had, saw, had, had, had seen, we will be able to see why they were called sons of thunder, revealing itself in Luke chapter number 9 and verse 54. Luke chapter number 9, verse 54. The Bible says, and when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Look at that character is revealing itself. I mean, people wondering, why do you call them sons of thunder? But then Jesus like, wait, you will be able to see. Because that is who they are them. And then in this one occasion, Jesus is preaching. And they're the ushers, they are helping Jesus around. And they are preaching the gospel. And they're like, uh -uh, this is powerful. That's a powerful message. You want to see the response? And then the people of Samaria are like, oh, we don't want to see that. We don't want to hear. We don't care about that. And they're like, what are they doing? We have put a lot into this crusade. We have raised money all the months and we have put together a crusade. He has preached some fiery messages and nobody is responding. No way. And it's like, we are going to call thunder because we understand that thunder is the divine power of God that punishes people that rebel against him. So let us call on thunder to strike them dead. And that led Jesus to rebuke them. And told them, hey guys, look, I am not called to destroy, but to save. This morning, I feel that it helps me to understand that it is not my work. It is not my work to see how people receive the message. Mine is to share the gospel. It is not your work when you give to see what happens. God has got it all. And he is the one that caused the growth. You put the seed on the ground and then you let God do the work. You don't put it in the ground and you go like check and say, it's not germinating, it's not germinating. So, I mean, James and John, they were like, oh, let's go check it. It's not coming out. What's happening? We spend money to buy the seeds. We gave to that ministry. I gave my time. I, I, I gave my, 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 my life. It's nothing is happening. I came to remind somebody that Jesus got it all. You don't have to worry. All you need to do is to trust and obey. And the rest, Jesus got it all. So Jesus reminded them that, look guys, 
We are not called to call on fire and destroy the people. We are, have a ministry to love on them. We have a ministry to sow the seed of love in their lives. And then we can trust God with the rest. The other thing about these guys is Jesus is speaking. This is a special Sunday. This is a Sunday that Jesus is known as the Son of Man, the Son of, the, the, the Son of God and the King. And this is the Sunday that Jesus is entering Jerusalem for the first time as a king. And when he's entering this as a king for the first time, he does something opposite from what people expect. During that time, there was no cars. So the most wealthy people, kings, they would use the most prestigious means of transport was horses. But then Jesus entering Jerusalem as a king, he said, I'm not going to use a horse. I'm going to use the most lowly despised animal, the donkey. And he enters into Jerusalem with the, the animal that nobody wants to identify with. But the animal that has a strong back that can carry loads because Jesus wanted to identify with the beast of burden. Because he was going to carry our sin. And this time, Jesus is entering, start to talk about his death. And he says, he spoke about his death in Mark, and we're going to read from the book of Mark 10, 35, 37. So, um, we're here, Jesus starts to talk about his death. And he says, guys, he starts to talk about the betrayal. How people will betray him and hand him over to the Gentiles. How he will be spit on, how he will be scourged and eventually killed. And as the disciples hear him speak, James and John, again, they blurted out and say, hey, teacher. What are you talking about? Are you serious? I'm like, yes. I'm going to be killed. And the next thing they say, hey, can you promise us something? It's like, can you write a will? <laughs> you have not written a will. You need to write a will because you have a big kingdom. And I say, Please, can you promise something? That whatever we ask you to write on your will, you will do it before you die. And they say, what is it? And they say, please, promise us that when you die, that me and my brother James, one will be on your right side and one will be on your left side. That is selfishness is coming out of them. And you know what that means? Was it right for them to bring out this kind of uh, question at this time? Let me put it like this for you. It's like you go out, you have a problem in your health, and you go out to the hospital to the doctor, and you say to your family, I want to see the doctor and then come back. And then you go see the doctor, and then we go to the doctor, they find out that you have a chronic disease, and you only have one week to live. And then you come back home and you say, you know what? They told me I only have one, work, one week to live. You share that with your family. And then there is this member of your family, maybe it's your wife or your son, and say, hey, dad, 
You have not written a will. Are you serious? Really? One week only? Then promise me. When you die, write a will that I'm going to have your wife. I'm going to have your home. I'm going to have your car. I'm going to have your house. I mean, really? Is that really something that you want to tell somebody that has a news that in one week he will not be no more? This is kind of what James and Jonah are saying. Really, Jesus, are you going to die? Then please promise us, write a will that we will be on your right side. And, and Jesus did not grant that request. Some of us, the reason why we have not received what we are praying for is because of selfish prayers. Jesus did not grant that request. In fact, it led Jesus to prophesy their persecution, that you will be persecuted. Don't talk about comfort, positions. You will be persecuted. And when we look further, we see that that also did not go well with the disciples. They did not find that nice. In fact, um, they thought the other 10 disciples were not very happy with the brothers because, hey, we have been here, 12 of us, and now you're talking about two of you. Where are us? And they feel like this is so selfish, and they probably because they think those people were seeking for positions of honor in the kingdom of God for themselves. If you read verse 41 of Mark 10, you'll be able to see the disciples not very happy with that. And also, after the ascension of Christ, James and John, they were present on the Pentecostal day, as in Acts chapter 2, and they did their part in fulfilling the Great Commission. And this is how God transformed these guys. These guys that wanted to call on fire for people to die, that needed positions. I want us to look at how God transformed their lives and made the best out of their lives. You see James being so talkative. He talks a lot. And at the Pentecost, God used that character to send him out. And I think he was very good in proclaiming the gospel because he talks a lot. So God said, you are going to be an evangelist. We need people that talk a lot like that. So you can go out there and talk about Jesus. Instead of calling on fire, you will call in the power of God and the love of God. And so he, God transformed his life and he was able, he used that outspoken nature and he was probably bold witness for the Lord and he led so many to faith. As a result. So God can use anything in our lives. He can transform it. You can trust him with every junk. You can trust him with everything that doesn't look good. If you give it to him, he can use it for his glory. And just as Jesus predicted also about the death, about the persecution, the Bible says that James experienced persecution soon after the church began. King Herod decided to arrest some believers and he had James killed, as in Mark chapter number 12 and verse 2. Thus, James became the first apostle to be martyred. The other side, James, John's brother, was exiled to the island of Patmos. 
by the Romans where he received the revelation and that is how the book of John of Revelation came to be in place. In fact, God used John to write the book, the gospel of John and also the three books, episodes of John and of course the last book of the Bible, Revelation, came as a result of John. And John eventually became an apostle that was known as the apostle of love. This is somebody that wanted to call fire on people to die. Now he is the one that is preaching love. I came to tell somebody today, it doesn't matter who and what people think you are. It doesn't matter your path, your background. You could be regarded as dangerous, but I want you to know that if you can trust Jesus with everything that you are and everything that you have, then he is more than able to tank to turn every junk, every affliction, every difficulties, everything that does not look good. He is more than able to turn it and use it for his own glory. I want to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you because your word is life and your word is living today. Thank you, Father, for giving us the opportunity to, um, to hear your word this morning. It's like a seed planted in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that it will mature, it will grow, and it will bear fruit. Father, I pray that your word will bring healing to those that need healing, deliverance to those that need deliverance and peace. And, and, and Lord, and Father, that let your word be our hope this morning. That Father, whatever that we are, that we have, Lord, that we can have the confidence that we can come to you, Lord, and trust you with who we are that we will know that our lives and our destiny is not determined by the opinions of people, by the, our background, our past, our, our, our future and destiny is determined by what you say. We thank you, Lord, this morning for the power and the authority in your word. In Jesus' name I pray and let us say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Hey, why don't you thank Maurice this morning? Thank you, my brother. Thank you for that word. And I want to continue to pray this morning. So would you join me? Father, we thank you so much for Maurice. Father God, I thank you so much for, God, his love for you. I thank you for the word that he gave us this morning. God, I thank you so much for these 12 followers who began to change the world. God, you used ordinary, in some cases, um, God, people who were extremely flawed. God, I thank you that you used these two men, James and John, the sons of thunder, with all of their flaws, with all of their, God, positive attributes as well, and you use them for your glory. And Father, may we as your people, God, get the real sense that you can use us in so many ways if we are just willing to be used by you. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word from Maurice. And God, now we just give you praise. Thank you so much for sending Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday towards his death. God, we thank you for willingly doing that for our sins. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.